The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to a Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always is Corey Starr. Special guest star, hello, hello. No kidding. <laughs> yes. Um, we are continuing with our Paul Thomas Anderson month of May. Uh, we watched last week Inherent Vice, and this week we watched Boogie Nights, which we'll be getting into our review a little later on the podcast. Um, but before we do that, we like to kind of catch up with our week. Um, Corey's had a busy week, and uh, I want to hear some of that, and I've had a couple of tough days but seen a lot of movies so we'll get into what we've been watching um cory how was shaky knees festival it was amazing it was so amazing <laughs> um i've already you know decided that we're going again next year so mm. there's that <laughs> it was really really good the weather was great um yeah, it only rained for like 30 minutes out of the whole festival, even though it was like overcast oh. for two days. And when it rained, we just so happened to be under the only covered like stage. Oh, okay. So that that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was just really, really, really good. I really liked in, um, Atlanta. We got to go to a, a Terminal West twice for our late night shows, and that was amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't feel as old as I thought I was going to. How did it work? Is it, like, all outdoor venues or are some indoors? So, um, so the actual Shaky Knees took place at Central Park in Atlanta. And so that's, like, the it had four different stages. We mostly spent our time at the main stage and then the second stage. I think it was the Peachtree was the main and the Piedmont. And then I forget the name of the other two stages, but we only went to the one stage to see Andrew WK. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even visit the other one. Um, but then they had opportunities for you to buy additional tickets to go to um, late night shows at different venues around Atlanta. So um, we, <laughs> Brendan introduced me to this band, The Wigs, a few years ago. He like sent me a mix CD, and I loved it that song. So I went and I bought that album, and I bought another one of their albums. And they just so happened to be playing the one album that he introduced me to, uh, Mission Control. It front to back for their 10th anniversary so that was that kicked off they were doing like two shows that thursday night because the festival started on friday and then we got to see parquet courts late friday night so those late night shows are additional tickets you can buy and they're like 15 to 20 or 25 bucks a piece and so amazing um but Hmm. yeah and uh, i had another question but i think so it's how many days was the actual festival five the actual festival um, starts on Friday and ends on Sunday. Okay, three. Um, we had that kickoff thing on Thursday night. So, like, and you don't camp out there, though. Like, it's not like old Hell school livestock. No. It's, Hell well, no. I mean, Do could, you think I would camp? Well, could you, though? Like, if you wanted no. to. It's not one of the options. Okay. No, because it gets trashed. Mm. Um, there were so many people. Um, it just gets trashed. And I was just surprised every day when we went in, and it was so freaking clean. Um, wow. yeah, I, I really enjoyed it and I really liked Atlanta. Yeah. I liked Atlanta when I visited, I didn't go for a concert, but I went, um, a few years ago for a conference 
and uh, there's some really nice parts of Atlanta. We went to uh, our meetings were at the Atlanta International School, which is like a private school. Oh, um, and see. well, it was a Harvard Project Zero uh, arts infused training that I was at. Um, it was a really cool experience. But yeah, we went to a really awesome Thai food place. It was the first time I ever had Thai food. Um, while we were, I think it was Thai food. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Thai food. Um, and yeah, but. Um, I have had a, a tough week. You you had a good week because you went to. Although I guess you, it must have been kind of tough coming home after being in a nonstop concert for three days. Bliss. But, yeah. Um, but uh, my seniors at, at school. It was their oh. last week this week. Um, so it's always you know sad to say goodbye and also excited to see them leave because they are pursuing now some. You know, I have a few students who are going to go off and pursue uh either film or or journalism as a career they're going you know they got into different schools for those fields and um it's exciting to see what they do next although sad to see them leave so it's always like a mixed week and uh thursday in particular was like emotionally i was so drained i had a whole yearbook thing i won't get into all the specifics but it was it was it was a long day yesterday but i still managed to fit in quite a bit of uh viewing this week although not as much as normal i did skip a couple of days of film watching um although we haven't spoke since uh last april, tuesday yeah basically april 1st or no i'm sorry not april 1st <laughs> yes a month ago may 1st uh was the last day we spoke um and so yeah i've seen a few things since then how about you have you been able to watch anything yes um so in theaters we actually, <laughs> I gave you money for your uh, draft. I saw uh, in 3D also oh. um, Avengers Infinity Wars, and I just need to complain for a minute, and okay, I already complained well, on Facebook. Let's just be clear. We're not going to give spoilers, though, right? I don't feel like it's a spoiler. Mm. Um, well, I don't feel like it's a spoiler, because I feel like if I watched any freaking trailers, I would probably have noticed, too. But... What happened to the Scarlet Witch's really bad gypsy accent? Oh, that's not a spoiler. Um, no. I mean, I, I feel like, one, we should preface that you hate Elizabeth Olsen. <laughs> I don't hate her. I just think that she is one of the most mediocre actresses ever, and I don't understand why she keeps getting work when there are so many amazing actresses that don't. Um, but anyway, I saw that in 3D on Sunday, and then... <sighs> Sorry, go ahead. I thought we were going to talk about her accent. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, let's go ahead. Talk about her accent. Let's I, go. I heard uh, other people point out that her um, Scarlet Witch's accent from uh, whatever country they made up, I don't remember what it's called, um, is missing in this movie. And I've heard a few different attempts of um, explanations. One, the most likely is that it was pointless. Why bother? Just let her speak normal. Um, you could justify it. Maybe Vision taught her to cover her accent. Um, you know, maybe she just did, uh, her powers in the comics are pretty extensive. Um, she, the Scarlet Witch is the reason that at one point in the comics, most of the mutants in the, uh, Marvel universe vanished, um, simply by saying no more mutants, I believe it, it was the word she uttered. And that's how like excessively powerful she is. Um, so it's so possible she should be able to muster well, up a good accent. Maybe, or maybe, she got rid of her accent with her powers is where I was going with it. Although that's not officially said or anything like that. But, yeah. Um, it, you know, it is what it is. Maybe they also realized that I don't believe Wanda in the comics has an accent. So, they probably should have never had an accent to begin with. But whatever. You know. 
And uh, was it last night? No, on Wednesday night, I finally saw Tully. Oh, that's right. Um, and that Ooh. that movie's disappointing me in box office. Not the movie's fantastic. I've seen it. Yeah, twice. the movie's amazing. I loved it both times. Um, there is a major spoiler we won't talk about that you had texted me about. Uh, I felt I'm, so smart. I'm still pretty impressed um, at, at when you uh, discovered something. But, um, you know, I got to see it at the Florida Film Festival and then again at Tribeca with Jason Ooh, Reitman right. at Tribeca, which was really cool, um, as I'm a fan of his, uh, at least his three movies with Diablo Cody. Um, but it's not doing very well in the box office. And that's even for like the few screens that it's at, it's still not doing well <laughs> comparatively. And I don't know why people aren't going to see it. I don't know if it's just not enough exposure um, or if people don't get who these people are. Like, I don't know. I thought Charlize Theron would, would be a draw alone because she's been doing so well um, in these big blockbusters. I thought she'd bring a fan base to the film, but I don't know. I'm hoping maybe this weekend with Mother's Day. Uh, I saw Mark Duplass was tweeting about it earlier. He plays her brother in the movie. Um and I, I think we're possibly going to be going to see it. It's not at our local theater, but it is at our uh, at Sinopolis at Posner Park, you know where the Target is. Oh yeah, yeah. It's actually there. So I'm, and it's also in our Lakeland theater. So I'm hoping that's what we're going to do on Mother's Day. Uh, go watch a movie about a mother and motherhood. And... Were you? I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no. But I'm hope I'm hoping that's what Kathy's going to want to do. She's definitely interested in Tully, um, but she's also like. There was something else playing at this, like an older movie is playing somewhere on Sunday that she was interested in. So I don't know for sure what we're doing yet, but we're also recording top five Sunday evening. And then um, I'm, we're actually, I have to talk to you about an interview poss- uh, episode that I'm recording immediately after our top five recording on Sunday. So okay. uh, yeah, you don't have to do it, but we'll talk, we'll talk when this is over, you know, behind the curtain. Okay. Um, so <laughs> in full dis whatever i was gonna say in full disclosure but it doesn't even need to be disclosed but anyways i was dying laughing at tolly i was laughing so hard yeah, there's there some really funny parts she's so many funny things i don't think i've ever seen her give so much sarcasm in a film um, yeah and i really liked her doing that um a whole lot i mean diablo cody's written that way before obviously uh, it it reminded me of like if juno had grown up and had babies kind of at times, yeah. like, it's not quite the same level of sarcasm, but it's still there. Um, and I thought she nailed a lot of the jokes. Like, her timing was and so good. I just, I hate, like, I felt like it was a pretty honest portrayal of being a mom. I'm mm-hmm. not a mom, but we all see how moms, like, you have to act like you just love your kids all the time and that they're perfect and you never get frustrated and blah, 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 you know, and it's totally not realistic. And I just really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, I, and like, I think that it made it even more funny. And I, I, I picked up on the uh, this is you can see Diablo Cody kind of her evolution as an adult through the three films that she's done with Reitman. I mean Juno, um, she was much older than the character, but you could tell that's like the idea of like being a teenager and having this big responsibility kind of coming up and how it can affect your life and whatnot. And then young adult, um, which I don't know if you've seen or not, but I haven't, I um, want to, that is like that point where you are needing to be a grown up, but you're not willing to make the, the decisions of a grown up. So you're kind of stuck so in me this, right now, this middle area. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> okay. You're much more functional than the character in the movie, but that one is also played by Shirley Theron. Um, and then Tully is 
you know, an adult woman looking back at, at her life and, and being happy but also having regrets and then being just exhausted with the, the act of motherhood, like, especially for a newborn and then having the, the other two children already um, and all the struggles. It's just, I don't know, you just see this kind of evolution as, like, she's exploring her life in a way that is impressive and honest and open and yet, you know, endearing and funny at times and it's just really refreshing really like to and i don't feel like this is a spoiler but um how things seem really bad or like that it's that it's not a decision you want to have to make and that it ends up being the best you know what i mean like it it shows that it does work out and you know maybe this isn't what you would have chosen in the first place but it's actually better yeah, I really like it, and that's that's one that everyone should definitely check out. This is not a review of Telly Odds, obviously, but we yeah, um, I do have a review up on at com though, if you want to see my thoughts. Uh, it is spoiler-free, um, so feel free to check that out, and then check out the movie. Um, I've seen a few things. I had a couple of rewatches, um, but they were rewatches with my wife, who hadn't seen them, so that was always that's always fun. So the day <laughs> after we recorded, uh, we watched The Shape of Water, um, which she hadn't seen. And I actually liked it even more the third time. Oh. Um, I, I keep every time I watch the movie, I, I, I appear to love it more and more. Um, she liked it for sure. I don't know how much she loved it, but she definitely liked it. Although I did get um, a like a judgment feel at one point um, uh-uh. because it's my daughter's like favorite movie right now. Oh, and, is it? Yeah, and so there was a the part early in the film like with uh, him having sex. I kind of I could feel like the eyes on me of like you took our daughter to see this and I'm just going like, eh, I don't did. make eye contact yeah but um <laughs> the next night I went and saw Overboard you know the new remake of the 80s classic with Anna Faris and the actor's name who I feel so bad I can never remember um I really like him in this movie actually um and that was the the big shock for me I had a really great time with with Overboard I kind of loved it um I wouldn't say it's a must see by any means but it was a lot of fun, and I actually like really enjoyed the characters. Uh, Eugenio Derbez um, is so great; he's so charming and so funny, and yet he's got kind of like a bit of an annoying voice, but it, it works really well with the character. And there's um, there's some endearing stuff. It's definitely there's some elements of like mature, you know, a person becoming a, an adult. Like he is an adult, but like him finally becoming an adult and. The process is twisted, and there's some definitely some darker elements. But I'm not. I like dark comedies a lot of times. And while I wouldn't say this is like a really dark comedy, the idea of lying to somebody who has amnesia to manipulate them to get what you want is dark. It's a dark concept. Um, and the original film. That's some of the criticisms I've heard about that. Is it's like a man taking a woman with no memory and then using her um, as a wife, essentially, basically making her his slave. And that's kind of flipped on its head in this movie where it's the woman using the man but it's still it's a dark concept yet i found it very funny and um charming at times so i was surprised by that uh next up is a stand-up comedy uh, on netflix john mulaney's new comedy called kid gorgeous at radio city uh if you, if you haven't seen john mulaney stand up and you're a fan of stand-up you should watch his stand-up for sure he is hilarious he was a writer on snl a few years back and Man, he's he's got an awesome set in this new special on Netflix. Um, I watched Creep Two, 
with Mark Duplass. Have you seen Creep, Corey? Mm, I don't think so. It's a found footage uh, indie oh. serial killer film. What? Uh, it, it's you got to check it out. It's really they're really interesting and they're really unsettling. Um, you can you can't read my review for Creep Two without it spoiling Creep One. Um, oh, okay. Because there is like a twist that continues in Creep Two, but it is it's really really cool. I, I enjoy both of them. They're very well done found footage films. Very simple. Like the first one, it's two actors and both uh, both Mark Duplass is one. I forget the other actor's name, but he is the director of the film as well. So it, it very much feels like a genuine found footage film um, as though this was really just all like they decided to film a movie one day and then this is what they did. And it's it's I'm a fan of Duplass anyways. And it's I don't know. I really like Creep. Finally got Creep 2 on Netflix. And I like both. I think both are on Netflix. Um, so if you haven't seen them, I recommend both. Um, I, I rewatched Baby Driver. Uh, on complete accident, I went to my bathroom, I believe, and I came out and my wife had started Baby Driver. And I was oh. like, well, now I have to watch this again. She has seen this one. Um, she actually went to the theater with me and Taylor on our second screening last summer. But uh, I've watched this film a few times now. And I I came out, um, I, I couldn't walk away from it once it was on. So, But I finally watched Alpha Dog um, with our boy Anton Yelchin. And I think maybe one of Justin Timberlake's best performances. Like, I really oh, like Timberlake a lot in that movie. Um, I, w- I was intrigued by the film. I don't love it. I, I did like it. I loved Anton and Justin Timberlake together, though. I thought they were great. It, uh, it's based on a true story. I know. That makes it even, I mean, obviously, even more unsettling. But but... You, know who, you know who I didn't like in the movie, and you might be upset Ew. with me? I hated Ew. Ben Foster in the movie. I thought he was awful. Wasn't he a he's the, bag? the yeah but that's not why i hate him i just thought he was overacting like so hard like i really was, like him but i feel like he does that probably more often than yeah that's you know? the vibe i'm getting because I, I really like him in hell or high water but mm-hmm. i think everything else i've seen him in he just I'm, is like dude calm the hell down like we go way back to like flash forward and i just really <laughs> love him anyway but i can totally i've only seen that movie like once or twice in the last when i saw it I, I still lived in Lake Wales, so mm. it's been a while. Yeah. I tried to watch it right after, like, the week after Anton died, because um, <sighs> I was in Boston. Like, I was, when he died, I was in the airport in Orlando leaving to go to Boston for a training, and I got yeah, I the think... message on my phone, and I, I think I messaged you immediately, like, oh my god. I know, you and Brendan were both coming at me, and it's like, god, guys, heartache, please. Um, <laughs> but then, so I watched several of his movies while I was in Boston, and that one, I went to start while I was getting on the airplane and quickly realized that that's not an appropriate movie to watch like when other people are around you. Um, I totally forgot another movie I watched. Go ahead. So I stopped that, but so I finally got back to it two years later and I liked it. Um, last thing on my list, and I'm sorry that it's so many, but uh, I went this this afternoon. We had a half day today at work. Nice. Um, and so I, as soon as I could, I dipped out and uh, caught Breaking In, the new Gabrielle Union film where uh, her kids are taken hostage by a group of criminals who are invading her father's home and he has like a high-tech security system so she has to break in to rescue them it's bad um it's it's pretty bad i don't i i just wrote my review for it i have a lot of problems with it um i still enjoy her i think she's a talented actress and the kid actors are actually good um it's not great and the there's so many things wrong in my opinion with the plot 
um, that I point out in my review that will probably be up tomorrow. Um, but yeah, that that was a. Luckily, it's only an hour and a half, so it wasn't too bad. But what was the movie you left off? Okay, so on uh, my first flight home from Atlanta to Dallas, my plane had uh, the most wonderful thing ever. It had like the TV screens in the back yep. of the seats. Oh yeah, and they had so many great and new movies. But there's this movie I've been wanting to see called Novitiate. Okay. And I'm forgetting all the actors in it, but it takes place in the 50s uh, through the, I guess I'm looking now, through the mid-60s, and it's a 17-year-old girl who's training to become a nun while the Catholic Church is going through all these changes and trying to be um, more welcoming and, you know, whatever to uh, people who might want to join their church. And I'm a little pissed, and I'm not paying to rent this movie because my plane landed ten minutes before the movie ended, oh, man. and it's like two hours long. This movie, but it's super interesting, and I'm sad I didn't get to see the last ten minutes. But I, it was also terrifying. Oh, not like I don't I don't know how to explain it. Like, and they even in the trailer. I forget where I saw this trailer, but um, yeah, I'm not actually familiar with it, which is is unusual. The, so. The head um, nun that, like, runs the school, she is just awful. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, there so you that, go. It's pretty good. Um, that is what we've been watching, folks. And, of course, we both watched Boogie Nights this week. Uh, I saw this film once when I was in high school. I think once. Um, I don't... I may not have watched all of it, because I... I, I well, I'll get into a little bit of specifics momentarily, but um, this was your first viewing, right, Corey? Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but yeah. Well, before not. we get into our basic review, let's go over the stats. So Boogie Nights is from 1997, uh, Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson's second film, which I actually didn't realize um, that it was only a second film until after I watched it. Uh, and I mean, he's got a lot of credits, but not a lot of movies. He's got a lot of short stories and he's done some music videos, but this was a second feature length film. Um, it has, oh, hold on, I clicked on Paul Thomas Anderson. It stars a lot of great people, uh, not in the best order on freaking IMDb, but we got Luis Guzman, Burt Reynolds, Julianne Moore, John C. Riley, Don Cheadle, um, Heather Graham, I'm going to say Nicole Ari Parker, uh, Mark Wahlberg, William H. Macy. And I think that's the gist of the big names. I feel like there might be one more who shows up later. No? Oh, yes. Thomas Jane. I cannot forget Thomas Jane. And, oh, my God. I Philip Seymour Hoffman is listed so far down on the list here. But yeah. a huge actor. One of his early films. Um, has an 85 Metascore and a 7.9 IMDb user score. And it's a little long. It's at 2 hours and 35 minutes. Um, the summary is the story of a young man's adventures in the California pornography industry of the late 1970s and early 1980s. Um, and I want to say uh, my memory of this movie was that it was much more sexual than actually. it actually is. Yeah, it's actually, considering it's a movie about the porn industry, it's pretty tame. I mean, there's a couple of scenes, mind you, um, but they're early in the film and then it kind of shies away from showing a lot of the sexuality and uh you see a lot of other stuff but not really like there's not a lot of explicit sex because even um i think the the scene with julianne moore and uh her character amber and dirk diggler uh his first scene in the movie is 
pretty extensive, but it's even it's shot from a long shot, and and a lot of times you're only seeing like a few seconds of of anything. It's a lot of weird, like just his back or whatever. So it's not too explicit. And then um, the scene before that, where Roller Girl and him have, I guess what you would call the casting couch audition uh, with Burt Reynolds creepily watching from the side, um, is you see her throw her shirt off and jump on top of him, but then it, the camera looks to Burt Reynolds, and that's it. And, you know, when you consider the subject matter, it's done fairly tastefully. Um, and really, again, after that point, I don't think there's, like, any real nudity in the movie. Uh, not until the end. Yes, which the end is a spoiler, I guess. But uh, I also think at this time, I mean, it's a 21-year-old film, which that's kind of shocking. But um, I thought it was made in the early 2000s. Yeah, I did too. But I knew I saw it in high school, so I knew that part was wrong. But because um, I graduated in 2000, but uh, I would say that um, you know, it it's the ending is is iconic because uh, it is you see Dirk Diggler's uh, well, his talent, if you will, um, <laughs> his one special his thing. one special thing, <laughs> and uh, it the reason why it's such an iconic scene is because it's a prosthetic and it was a big deal like that it wasn't really Wahlberg you know that everyone wanted everyone to know that was not like him so um which I don't think I think when I was in high school I was too immature like to look at that scene and you know I was like you know I can't look at another dude's junk kind of thing and uh I was I'm not that way now so I wasn't like I wasn't gonna be like oh my god I'm not gonna look so I was like, oh, wow, that looks fake. Like, I totally thought it looked like a prosthetic. Like, I didn't think it looked like a dude's junk to me. Yeah. Um, like, not not even because of the size or anything, just in general. I was like, that looks like a prosthetic. Why were people even, like, why was it such a big deal to make sure everyone knew it was a prosthetic when it was... I feel like no matter what, we see women nude in films all the time. All the time. True. Yes. And people are so shocked when a man is nude because, well, we have to have boobs to sell movies anyways. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I feel like it's so not the norm. And there are other things that are just not the norm and that people get uncomfortable about that I think are hilarious. But Mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the things. In Super Troopers 2, there is a very funny scene involving um, a, a very weird pair of boxer shorts that essentially are like an elephant trunk. Um and but it, it's uh, a dude's junk is hanging out at the end of that and like there's this whole like it's in my face type of situation with one of the troopers it's pretty funny um and again ballsy pun intended that uh <laughs> that they would include it because like you're saying uh, so many people get so sketchy around seeing a naked male f- uh, figure and not a female and i guess the argument is made that most of the time you do see men topless and you see women topless. You very rarely see a woman bottomless um, from the front. And so you don't usually see a man bottomless. And obviously there is a difference between it's a topless woman and a topless man. Not as saying, shocking, though, when no. a woman get when you get full nudity on a woman or True. you know what I mean? I don't well, know. Like Roller Girl, Roller Girl or Heather Graham, who plays Roller Girl, does go full. She rips off her like it's like a one piece like outfit i guess and you do see her for a, a second head to toe naked um before she dives on top of dirk diggler and or whatever his uh, eddie i think is his first name before he picks his new name in a very funny scene um but yeah it's 
Um, well, we haven't really talked about our opinion of the movie as much as we've just talked about the movie. I I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I found it. I I found it complexing at times where I was uncertain of what I was supposed to be taking from it. But after mm-hmm. doing some uh, some thinking and then watching a couple of YouTube videos that kind of broke some stuff down, um, I really did start to feel more more comfortable with my take on why I thought it was a good movie. So, and obviously a lot of people think this is a good movie, and there's a there's some brilliant stuff in it. I mean, right away there's things like camera work. You see a lot of uh, there's at least three scenes of one like long takes. Uh, sometimes called oneers in the industry, where there's no cuts, the camera's moving through a scene. Um, it's one of the most iconic ones, like oneers in history, is in Goodfellas when you uh, meet all the guys at the club, and that shot is very much how this film opens. Um, it's definitely reminiscent of Scorsese, although I listened to an interview with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Actually, kind of, I, th- I think it might be the director's commentary from the DVD or something. But it was on YouTube, just that scene and him kind of saying, I didn't really pull from Scorsese. That wasn't what I was thinking. He actually credits, um, oh man, the director from Silence of the Lambs, Richard uh, Richard Demi. Is that right? Ooh. The guy who, he just passed away. Um, I feel awful that his name's not coming to me right away. But um, before I forget, I want to give credit to the Autorist uh, YouTube channel. That's where I watched one of the um, the analysis of boogie nights where and i sent it to you too i don't know if you ever went back and watched it or not i did i Ah. just watched it today um but i feel i feel like what he points out is very much important to kind of figuring out what paul thomas anderson was doing because that was i i assumed this would be like a criticism of the porn industry um and it's really not about the porn industry like it does show you some of the the negative aspects of it but i don't think that's the point like i don't think he's giving He's not condemning the porn industry, nor is he um, advocating for the porn industry. He's just showing the porn industry, and it's involved with the bigger themes that he's dealing with um, than than it is really about the porn industry, which that was, I think, what was throwing me off. I was like, what is he trying to say about this? And I don't think he's really trying to say anything about it. I think he's saying something about something else that we'll get into with spoilers, but... I enjoyed the movie, so I will like to hear your thoughts now. Did you like uh, Boogie Nights? I enjoyed it. I felt like it was too long, though. I felt like there was a lot of time wasted. There, I said it. <laughs> um, I'm looking at it, and it's two hours and 35 minutes, and I really think we could have cut it down to an hour and a half, guys. Uh, sorry, wow. Sorry. An hour and a half. That's yeah. a lot of cutting. I, I didn't feel like there was any scenes in particular that I didn't like. Um, I mean, I definitely think there's some, maybe some characters we could trim out, but then when you look at the theme, especially from the, the author, the autorist, uh, channel, I feel like he kind of makes a case that all the characters are needed, um, in order for that theme to really hit home. Um, there, there's some really cool montages in this movie. Uh, I really like, um, all of the oneers I think are really great. I like the opening and the closing oneer with uh, following Burt Reynolds' character, um, who is like kind of the patriarch of this porn industry that we're at least this division of the porn industry that we're privy to in the film, uh, playing Jack Horner, um, who is you know the director and chief. I don't know. I don't want to call it. He's not a producer because he has another person that's the producer, but. Um, 
I don't know. I, I found the film to be generally interesting. It is long, though. I, I won't say... There were definitely points where I'm I like, oh just, my god, please. I can't, like, point out any particular scenes, but it, they just, like, kept rehashing stuff all the time, and it's just like, okay, I get it. He's well endowed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, cool, you've already told me, like, 37 other times, I've got it. Or, I, I don't know, I just... Felt, felt like they were really trying to make sure you got some stuff. Yeah. Um, but again, like, I I feel like if there was more, like, if there were a lot of sex scenes in this movie, I would feel like that would, those would probably need to be trimmed out. And he doesn't do that. Like, there's not a lot of, like, he's not explicitly ex- exploiting. I mean, think, he has Julianne Moore, who is a acclaimed actress, naked in this film. You know what I mean? Like, sh- that, that seems like that's above her. I, I, I mean, maybe not at this time in 97, but, like, you know, to me now, if, like, Julianne Moore were to do, like, a nude scene, I would be very shocked, right? Based on yeah. her, her cal not, not because of her age. I think she's still a very, like, pretty woman for however old she must be in order to have been in this film. But she just doesn't need to do that, you know? Like, if she's doing that now, it's because she either wants to show off her body or it's because she really believes in the script that's being told. And I think that's the case even here because, you know he doesn't exploit her he doesn't keep bringing her back naked in the movie that one scene is very important it sets up a lot of the rest of the film and and yet that's that's it you don't see her naked again and you don't see her naked a lot yet she's constantly in the film she's a major role in the movie um and even same thing with heather graham's character who is um you know she's a much you know younger actress here i think than than more was and you know she does have that initial scene and and her scenes are there's more scenes with her um being sexually active but they still are only one scene that i can think of where she's naked i think every other scene she's clothed or um she's doing a sexual act that the camera looks away from and so you don't see that act it's it's either implied or except the one scene that we'll talk about i'm sure in spoilers but um even that scene is is done where she, her clothes don't come off, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, again, I think that's, those scenes would have been ex- unnecessary. And there's a couple of scenes for sure. Um, that I think I, I can, I can kind of see what you're saying. And again, I am still not making an argument that this movie needs to be this long. It does feel long. Um, I had to watch it in three parts. Wow. I did not yeah. do that. Although I did pause it several times cause I had to go to the bathroom. I like, enough because it's a three-hour movie but mm-hmm. all right well i liked it um a little more than Corey. it sounds like but she does sound positive on it folks we're gonna get into uh talking about whatever we want to so guys from here on out spoiler warning um we'll talk about this movie in great detail go watch the movie it's on netflix yes uh, that was um a pleasant surprise this is one that I, we didn't have to rent or buy Although I would not be opposed to adding this to my collection, I don't know how many times I could rewatch this, um, and I don't. I know I could never teach this movie, at least not in its entirety, um, because of the subject matter. Obviously, um, I well, could maybe one day if you're a college professor. College professor, definitely. Um, high school professor or high school professor, not a thing. High school teacher, um, you know, no. But. Uh, there was a line, and I'm going to say it. I, I tend not to curse on these. I am going to allow myself, because I'm quoting a line from a film, but did you catch William H. Macy make a either 
he flubbed the line and they kept it in the movie or the character... I love that line! Yes. Uh, he, suppo- <laughs> he says... He catches his wife cheating and he's telling um, a guy that he just caught her with an ass in her cock. And I was like, hold up. Because <laughs> he doesn't miss a beat and neither does the other guy. No, they just keep the going. The guy doesn't even like blink. They no. just like keep going. So I don't know if he flubbed the line or and if he's so flustered as a character like, that he just messed up the words and the guy chooses not to correct him. I And I, rewa- I re- rewind rewound that part because i was like okay maybe i'm crazy and that is not what he just said but yeah. i rewatched it and i was like heck yes um i feel like they were just driving home how frustrated and pissed mm-hmm. off and everything yeah. else he is because his wife is a man she's not even getting paid yeah. <laughs> like yeah jesus come on like and always she just her husband walks in on her cheating on him in his house Three and times. she just tells him to shut the door i will whoop you woman you know what i mean like yeah. i just Ugh. And everybody calls him, what do they call him? Little Chris? Little, little Bill. Little Bill. Little that's his Bill. Name. Yep. Little Bill. And I'm just like, how? That's so disrespectful. I don't even. You know, I felt like that was just really disrespectful. Uh, you Which, know, as far as. Name. Oh, yeah. Which. That could be one of the storylines that could be trimmed, although it doesn't take up a lot of screen time. Um, it's We have three scenes, though, that are centered around him catching his wife cheating on him. One we see, which you mentioned, was him walking in on the wife in her in his house and her telling him to get out, which is ridiculous. Then her doing it like in the middle of a driveway at a party with a stranger and people circled around her. And then the last time is at the New Year's Eve party, which we don't see her. He walks in the room. We know that it's happening. He comes back, gets a gun. That's another time there's a wonder. We follow him from the room to the car, all one take, no no cuts until he pulls the trigger. Um, and we we hear we cut to the the uh, the room to see them shocked at the sound of the gunshot. You know, seconds before the new year starts, and that's it. It's just those three scenes. Bill has some minor parts with the other characters earlier, but th- those could be cut. But um, I. The scenes like that that were shocking were the ones that I enjoyed. Like, yeah, I, and again, I'm not advocating that. I, I like those scenes too. I'm just saying those are that's time away from the main story that I I think might be enforcing the um, the problems with the uh, the people, but not really like not hitting home the the theme of family that the autorist points out is like one of the major elements of this film. I was shocked because i we heard him bang bang shoot the wife and whoever she was doing at that point in time yep Yep. but then when he like turns the gun and shoots himself that just took me by complete surprise i was waiting for him to get hauled off by the police or you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it was just so quick and i am not advocating anybody shooting their spouse or hurting them even though i was like whoop them um but it was just I, I don't know, because you could say that that's, like, temporary insanity, and you lost it, and you blah, 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 but then, he, you know, I don't know. Well, you could tell he was hurt each time he caught her, yeah. team, even though he stayed with her. Like, you could tell it was hurting him, and that was the too much. In my head, though, from when I saw this as a kid, I had merged the Scotty, yeah, um, which is Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who is a gay man working in the porn industry who's at a time when it's not okay to be gay. Um, or at least that's the implications that were given because he makes a move at the same party 
on Dirk Diggler or Mark Wahlberg's character. And in my, he goes, he's in his car and he's crying and saying how effing stupid he is, repeating it over and over again. My memory was that he killed himself. So mm. I, I merged the William H. Macy and the Scotty character, even though Scotty is in the rest of the movie mainly as a background character. He doesn't have a major role, but that that little arc when he makes the pass at Mark Wahlberg's character is, you can see even from the first moment he meets Mark Wahlberg, you can see how much he is into him. Um, Phil, it's a great performance from Philip Seymour Hoffman, although a very minor arc and nothing really comes of it. I would say Dirk handles the uh, the attempted kiss relatively well. Like he's definitely not okay with it, and he is a little but he aggressive. Try to like hurt him or embarrass him. Correct. He just like, dude, what are you doing? And then he kind of lets it go, uh, even though like he, Scotty doesn't quite let it go. But he, <laughs> you know, he's like, dude, stop, just stop, like. It's not, I'm going to hurt you, or I'm going to tell everybody. It's just, like, please don't put me in this position. I can't do this. That's I'm not interested in that. And considering how dumb Dirk Diggler is portrayed throughout the film, and how oblivious he is to so much, um, the fact that he is not, you know, lashing out and, and destroying Scotty is, is refreshing, I think. Um, and I do think, again, that ties back to the theme of family. Um... And speaking of, before we get into family more specifically, the fight with the mom, when she kicks him out of the house and says he's useless and everything, I was so uncomfortable with her, like the thing she was picking at felt like she wanted him and couldn't have him. Oh, I didn't. I felt like she was a colossal bitch, and mm-hmm. um, I'm just, like, watching her be so controlling, and she's, like, pissed off that he's working two jobs, and I'm like, seriously, yeah, I don't that, know. That's what bugs me. It's like, you're his mom. Why do you care if, if he, who he's with, I guess? Like, is there was no indication of it being, like, that this woman a was bad. bad. relationship. Correct. It, there was, and in fact, that woman's never seen again. Uh, we see her one scene with Mark Wahlberg jumping on the bed and, like, her saying he, he has an amazing uh, genitalia. Um, and... Special. Is, and then that's the end of it. Uh, but, you know, the way he fights for her and the way the mom is lashing out, like, it, to me, is, like, it felt like she was jealous that he had her and that he wasn't there more. Um, and then when you think about how the father is very passive... And she's really aggressive with him too. Um, you almost wonder if there's there is something going on, but maybe not even that she wants her son, but maybe like very clingy. And I, I definitely am not a fan I of mothers like that. Uh, felt like she was just trying to control everybody. I yes. felt like she, you know, I don't, I didn't get any like sexual or anything like that. Or I think it was just the comments she was making that bugged me. Like, well, know, I mean. What if your child was just out sleeping with somebody you know is a floozy or something? You know what I mean? Like, I think that that would upset any no, parent. No, ag- agreed, or... agreed. I, I, it was, but the then you tie in with the job thing. Yeah, and it's just like all of that together felt like a jealous. And I didn't feel like argument. Yeah, and I didn't feel like he was disrespectful. It wasn't like they showed him coming in late at night and disrupting everybody's sleep or that he made messes or he was inconsiderate of his mom and dad. I just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and that's all, like, again, I don't, I'm not saying it was obliquely, like, over the top or anything. Just that 
I, I was uncomfortable by her, and I, I definitely think we're supposed to be. And I do, yeah. have, I get uncomfortable with confrontation like that anyway. So, um, not saying it was meant to be more than than just that, but yeah. I, I was. And again, she she's a a famous actress. I um, her name's not in front of me, but she has a relatively small role because we only see her twice in the movie. Um, the first, the breakfast scene, and then that scene when he leaves her and goes off to go somewhere and she's very abusive that you're an idiot you're never going to do anything with your life that is what bothered me though the most is how do you talk to somebody that way yeah i mean and she's That's supposed to be awful and it is the inciting incident that makes him finally commit to going to hollywood and, and trying to do something with himself um especially after being offered that type of job uh from I... john Okay, so I feel like we need to back up a little bit to his job at the club. How does everybody know about his junk and that he just like lets people pay him to look at it or do an well, act? I don't I don't think that's the implication. I think that he's just so good looking is what we're supposed to take that people approach him and he happens to have a magical oh. wing. <laughs> I just thought, took it out the magical part that everybody just knows. Well, you can have ten dollars to look at it, or twenty dollars to yeah, you know yeah. Um, and I don't know. I'm a little confused. Like, does Roller Girl work at the bar, the place too? Because that's what it seems like at first. And I don't then... think so. I, I think she's just there, and she's always on does skates. It, um, does it bother you that these kids are like high school kids? Because that, like, he's seventeen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she's and we see her. She well, she leaves what High appears school. to be her senior year, um, like because that test, it's implied that that test is like the final test kind of thing, and mm-hmm. um, she bails on that because it's too hard or whatever, and um, she, uh, you know, that's that becomes a plot point later in the film. She talks about getting her GED. Um, we don't see much of her home life, but we we assume that it's not great given the uh, the fact that she's doing porn and whatnot. Um, and then the whole relationship with uh, Amber, which is Julianne Moore's character, and that scene, well, that's where the, the family dynamic really comes in. You have Burt Reynolds' character being the patriarch. You have Amber Waves being the mother, which is disturbing, and I do think enforces my first point a little bit, that she tells um, Dirk to call her mother after they have sex, and they do seem to have a relationship at some point, yeah. that's more than motherly, yet she refers to him as a son and, and constantly, you know, call me mom. So I think that reinforces my my issue with his mom, that, like, the replacement surrogate mother takes on a sexual element to him. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously you have, you have Dirk, who is the young kid trying to become a man. You have Roller Girl, who's a young girl trying to find her, you know, herself. Um and uh you have that that dysfunctional family unit um that when they first assemble it's a surrogate family which is something i'm a big advocate for that you don't blood does not make a family it is it is the people you surround yourself with the people who care about you people who take care of you um and you know it is uh obviously they're very very dysfunctional though um and that is you see them all go through their drug phase I do want to talk Ooh. real quick about John C. Riley's character. Um, I love when Dirk Diggler and him meet and they become friends at the pool party. Um, <laughs> yeah. It very much reminds me of Step Brothers, um, with when him and Will Ferrell, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, become friends finally after like they are kind of forced into each other's lives. 
uh, there's that competitive kind of like, you know, oh yeah, I got this. What about this? And like, you know, how much can you bench? That whole exchange. Cracks you me go up. first. Yeah, nope, you go first. We'll do it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> or like, I forget what is he? He's like, how much can you bench? Two hundred fifty. And then he's like, oh well, I can bench four hundred. Yeah. It's, or, yeah, it was pretty it's funny. The norm of two guys competing. Um. Yeah, I I loved that whole relationship and them in the recording studio later in the movie when they're trying to do the songs that are so bad and he's just so loving it. Bad. They're so bad and. <laughs> Um, we're guaranteed like no you're not wait. yeah well and oh man the drugs really hit them hard and you see the fall from grace but even uh their their first when their porn movies are doing like stories and they're kind of doing like their take on james bond it cracks me up um but you know what though you mentioned how, like how long this movie is i feel like there's got to be at least another half hour or 45 minutes where there's a subplot where John C. Riley's character gets jealous of Dirk, because when they're editing the film, um, John uh, Burt Reynolds' character a couple times tells the editor to trim John C. Riley's character out of scenes, and I felt like that was pushing for a subplot where John C. Riley gets upset that Wahlberg's getting pushed and he isn't, but that never comes into the the movie, so I I feel like that got cut out of the film Mm. um i could be wrong maybe i'm reading into uh the action a little too much but it felt like they were setting that up especially with that early competitiveness and then like them working together to build this movie and then the the director starting to trim out john c Riley from a collaborative effort as though he is not as important i felt like they were pushing for a subplot that never comes out and john c Riley's character is like a hundred percent loyal to dirk throughout 90 percent of this movie um, you know, even go, even when he, when Mark had, snorts crystal meth and loses his stuff, um, literally in many ways, um, and has the big fight where he says, "You're not my mom to Amber, you're not my dad to uh, John." John fires him. John C. Riley leaves with him, which I didn't <laughs> expect. I expected him to stay, and they he follows Dirk instead. So there is like a brotherly uh, love between the two of them that I thought was great. Agreed, and I don't remember him coming back later on with him, though. He does. He's doing magic, he does. Oh, that's right. But he does he come back to the house with yeah, them? Yeah, there's a scene with them all together. It's very much like a... It's reminiscent of, like, a family dinner. Um, you know, like, everybody's back for Thanksgiving almost at the end during the winter when we see John walking through the house and kind of everything's back the way it's supposed to be. Um, you know, because there is that... He, he, everybody falls from grace in this movie everybody's at the top of the the world in like 1979 and then the 80s come and everything starts to fall apart mm-hmm. i liked the vid the film that you sent me because it that well no the um analysis yes the auteurist um, yeah is the youtube channel yeah um um oh go ahead no no please go ahead i've talked a lot I feel like you usually do. I'm sorry. Yeah, Not probably. that that's a bad thing. I just don't talk a lot. Um, there, I thought they were, they did a really good job with building the suspense and the um, scene. I'm forgetting the other guy who goes with them, but when they're going, I mean, it shows everybody's fall from grace, grace but it also shows um, how desperate they all are. Yeah. 
And that part of the movie I thought was very interesting. Um, and I was like, why did it take two hours to get to this? But um, where they go to that guy's house to sell him the cocaine that they cut with, like, I guess some bad cocaine, like uh, cheap cocaine. I think it's just baking soda. I think it's just. Oh, was it? Yeah. Like Holy heck. Thomas Jane says, like, we dump a bag of baking soda into it, which Thomas Jane okay. was the ninth. The, the, I'm sorry, the 2004 Punisher. Um and I like that Punisher, even though a lot of people hate it. Um, but I'm a fan of Thomas Jane because of the Punisher. I haven't seen him in a whole lot else. So I was really excited when I re- like when he first showed up. I'm like that guy looks familiar. And I had to go like deep diving into IMDb's credits to find him on the list. I'm like, oh my god. Um, and then, uh, did you catch who the actor was that was the the drug addict? He looked like the guy from uh, Can't Hardly Wait. He mm. looks like the nerdy guy in love burger is who he reminded me of but i don't know who it is it's alfred molina who is um dr (gasps) octopus in spider-man 2 um he's in cigar cigars and cigarettes or what was the uh crap we watched it the cigarette movie with jack white cigarettes and and coffee or yes he's with um steven uh oh my god i'm forgetting everything he's with the guy from the 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 tourist the trip movies steven why can't i think of his name Oh man! Oh well. He's um, one of them's a director, right? And or yes, something in the he's other He's trying one. to do okay. a movie with him. Yeah. Um. He's. I mean, Alfred Molina is a very well respected actor, but I was so shocked to see one. He was like super skinny in this movie. Not that he's ever like fat necessarily, but he's a bigger guy. From what I remember from like Spider Man Two and stuff, he's not thin, and he's like really, really thin in this movie. Um. Right. And yeah, almost unrecognizable. Uh, like, because I'm like. I saw his name in the credits uh, when I found Thomas Jane. I found him, and I'm like, where does he show up? And then when that guy showed up, I'm like, is that Alfred Molina? And I just had to, like, look past the hair, and I'm like, yep, yep, that's Molina. That's crazy. Um, I do love that scene, too, like, that whole exchange. It's crazy, and it's stressful, um, and I, I'm and so the, on board. I'm trying not to say the F word, but the freaking firecrackers. I was just waiting four shots to be fired yeah that's what i was waiting for the whole time i'm like they're doing this to cover up when they murdered these fools john c Riley and uh and mark Wahlberg in that scene are so perfect though like like they're you just see it on their face they're both like why are we still here what is happening why are we not leaving and it's just like when thomas jane pulls the gun out and it's just like ah, uh, you're like what are you doing you moron and man i love that sequence so much nuts it was so stressful though and i hate the sound i'm not like oh my god i hate firecrackers oh my god but i'm just like why what's the point and i mm-hmm. find it stressful but oh it's it's good filmmaking i mean that's <laughs> we're watching these movies um from the same director because we're wanting to see uh you know expert filmmaking <laughs> because he's got such a reputation i mean phantom thread and there will be blood are the first two films of his that i believe i saw um, actually, I guess technically I saw Boogie Nights first, but I, you know, I wasn't not an appreciator. W- even more, he, this was his second film, so I wouldn't have known I to be on the lookout for this yet. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't didn't. Have, like um, oh, go ahead. Uh, I would like to say that high school me watched this film excited about the possibility of an amazing film. I definitely watched it because it was about the porn industry, and I was seven, I was fifteen or sixteen, and it was on HBO. You know, I'm like, oh, and. It's not that, though. It's not that type of movie at all, because it's by no means glorifying the porn industry. Again, there is nothing really... I mean, there's definitely sexuality in this movie, but it's not meant to be, like, a sexy movie. 
Um, and it, at the same time, again, I don't think it's condemning the porn industry. No, it was very neutral. Well, this is not, like, porn simply for the sake of sexuality, because that's what Burt Reynolds is saying. It's, like, it's, it's weird hearing him give, like, the artist speech that, like, I want people to get what they get out of porn, but I also want them to be so engrossed in our story that they keep watching the movie. And that's like, it's such a weird statement because I don't know, I don't know if that's how actual porn directors were, like that they genuinely wanted to make a movie that had sex in it, but it was still a movie, that there was still a story that people would care about the characters and follow. Um, and I was really surprised, uh, I think it was the Autorus video where he shows like the that it's based on an actual porn star yeah and that they like shot for shot remade like some of the scenes from this guy's movies i'm like holy cow i had no idea that was crazy um super super crazy uh movie like that it's you know it is uh paul thomas anderson is immensely talented and the more i see of his movies the more i'm growing to be a fan um I have yet to see one that I don't like things. I have yet to see one that doesn't have a really, really interesting sense of, like, storytelling. Because there's, there's some funny parts in this movie, despite how dark the movie goes. Like, there's some really, really dark scenes. But there's some really, really funny scenes, too. And it's, um... It's, I think, the humanity that you see on display in his films. Like, it's always about the characters. The characters in Inherent Vice are, are so important. The characters in this movie are far more important than the plot. Like, like the plot's there in this... I, I would say the plot's easier to follow in this movie than Inherent Vice, for sure. But it's really more about the people involved with the plot than it is about the plot itself. Like, you know, he wants to be a porn star. He becomes a porn star. He falls from being, a, you know, successful and then ends up apparently everyone goes back to it which is where i say i don't think he's if if everyone who was in porn failed and life became hell um forever i would say this is an indictment of the porn industry but instead all of them come back to porn and their lives look good again at the end of the movie everybody looks happy and um everybody's back together and everyone seems like they're on the in the right direction despite all of the horrible things they went through everybody's back and so it doesn't seem to be and I, I don't think he's advocating porn I think he's advocating what uh, the autora says is family that they need each other and th their lives fall apart when they're not together it just so happens that porn brought them together um, and ultimately reunites them but it was never about the movies it was about the uh, the need for other people uh, uh, other like minded or non-judgmental people you know Mm -hmm. I liked the okay so everybody knows that I'm watching Big Love again for the second uh, time yep. and one of my favorite characters although she's crazy is Wanda and Wanda is the same actress that act okay it's the same actress that plays the blonde woman that becomes Buck's baby mama oh okay and so I was like oh my god but she has like dark brunette hair and big love and i was like that voice that voice you know she has a very distinct voice but um i liked seeing her in something else and something that came out way before big love did but i liked that story with buck and her when mm -hmm. they're trying to start a legitimate business and he's not being given a chance even though he has all the paperwork to back him up and all this stuff because he was a porn star and i think it's 
it's so funny, not funny, haha. But, like, we still see that some, like, today, how many times do we see in the news that a teacher has gotten fired because she used to be, or she's been or an adult film, any you know? professional, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any, any, but, it's still a, um, it's still a taboo industry, like, the, and it's obviously, it's gotten way more accessible to become a part of the industry because mm-hmm. of the availability of cameras and, and the internet, uh, um, you know it doesn't take much to be able to make a movie. I mean, that's where celebrity sex tapes, like when Pam Anderson's sex tape came out in the nineties was a huge ordeal because like someone had to break into their house and steal a VHS cassette and make copies of it where now it's like someone hacked a phone, like, and everybody's videos are out on the world. Um, and that's not, and that's not counting people who are doing it on purpose, you know, which are tons of people who are, are, because again, you have a camera in your bedroom you charging mind you right next to where you you would make love traditionally so like it is uh, a bigger industry now so I, I, it's almost like if they remade this movie and and not remade it but like set it in today's time how different the the culture would be like because there is even a debate there which i think is a very film person thing is uh switching yeah. from film to vhs you know like that transition and the quality and the fear of it losing its artistry and becoming just you know like a home movie and that is definitely what's happened even more so now because now it's not even vhs tape now it's your phone which arguably phone's recording quality is substantially better than any vhs recorder ever was but still um you know there's that whole conversation that little bill has with the uh the cinematographer when he's when his wife is having sex on the the, the blacktop um, about like the lighting and the cin- and the the lenses and the guys just like whatever he's like hey you know I'm just trying to make it look good like and you're like wow he's actually he is he's talking about making it look professional like a movie and he's using real terms that other like in other movies would be used for a an adult film and it is it was like you can kind of see um a little bit of commentary I think that. PTA is making that these were people who were trying to make art and maybe couldn't do it in the traditional landscape of film and so found another outlet for that same desire of storytelling and craftsmanship um, that eventually gets replaced to you know just making money because there are like all film there's always those people who are more interested in the commercial aspect of it than the artistry of it and that could also be what PTA is saying too is in a way um, even, you know, actors who succumb, I mean, sh- look at Wahlberg's career and how many movies he's made that are, are not art, that are just commercial, just essentially treating him like a porn star. He's a piece of meat, you know, take off your shirt because the girls like it when you take off your shirt, you know, like there could be a, uh, a comparison there that PTA is making even in his early stages of his career. But then again, I might just be. Uh, projecting or, or reading into something that's not meant to be there, but I want okay, so I liked the part not like, uh, yeah, okay I was like, yes, but when he goes in to buy donuts and then we find out that his girlfriend is pregnant Oh yeah. and I'm like, god, that girl wants a lot of donuts and then yeah, we see did. her belly and I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense but um, then he goes in and he's just trying to order his donuts and this guy comes in and is trying to hold up the donut shop and I, shop and I'm like, dude, it's a donut shop. How much could they be making? But apparently I was wrong. And he 
it, it's like a domino effect. Some guy sitting at a table shoots the hold up the stick up guy. The stick up guy, it's just a big mess, and everyone but Buck ends up dying. And then there's that big paper bag on the floor with all that cash in it. And then it's wrong. It's stealing, but uh, I I liked that he got to start his business and he got to yeah. be legitimate. And I loved that you know all of his porn buddies were coming and helping him direct his you know his uh, commercial and. I liked, um... Yeah, Amber, oh uh, Amber directed it. Yeah, I, um... But I didn't understand, so it's showing everyone at their most desperate. And here he, uh, Eddie is, Dirk is, waiting for something, I'm guessing, drugs on the sidewalk. He's waiting. And some guy asks him, hey, do you want to get in my truck while you wait? Blah, 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 blah. And then here he goes again, being paid for... Someone to watch him watching him yeah and it i felt like that was drug out too because i felt like that scene was really long and then finally this other truck full of guys comes up beside them and then they beat the crap out of him and it's just like why and why are they calling him the f word i hate that word oh well it was remember the time period it's the early 80s um the guy how did they know it was a setup one I, i i don't think he was waiting for drugs i think that was a like um Remember, like, in spy movies, there's that, like, the code word, like, you say this, and then I say this, and then I know that you're not a cop? That's what Mm -hmm. I think that was. He was, that hotel, I think, uh, was, like, notorious, like, prostitution thing, and he was picked up by a guy looking to pick up a gay prostitute, although he says, I'm not gay, I just want to watch, which is, you know, that's that denial homosexuality, I think, of the 80s, um, and 90s, and... So, but then it's a setup. Like the the he was never wanting to do it. He was just gonna prove that he was gay, and they were gonna beat him up afterwards because it's not cool. Um, at least that's the implication of the actions. Because there's no cell phones. There's no way for him to communicate. Hey guys, turns out this guy's not able to do the thing I want. So let's beat him up. Like it's clearly the plan. And then that's all crosscut with um, Burt Reynolds' character, kind of he's fallen into where he's having to use VHS and it's definitely changing the type of movies that he's making. And he's doing this experiment, uh, quote unquote, um, where he has poor roller girl in a limousine and they're going to pick up some random guy who is not going to be willing to just follow directions. And I don't, I don't know what they were thinking, but she was just going to have sex with some random guy off the street who happens to be, I'm just thinking AIDS. Yeah, so many things, right? There's so many concerns with it. And then it happens to be someone she went to high school with, apparently, that she's in, you know, she lies and says, I don't know who that is, but it, clearly we do. I I think it was the friend in the, the scene where she leaves the high school that there's a guy, like, making, like, blowjob motions. And, I didn't think that was a friend. No, I don't think that's a friend. I think the guy in the limousine is a friend of that guy, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I think we might see him in that scene. I, I don't think he's the one who does the gesture, but I think he's the one who, like, makes, like, the, like, laughy face at her um, afterwards. I think. I could be completely wrong. I might just be assuming that. But, um, and then, the, like, the way Burt Reynolds and her and Roller Girl beat the crap out of that guy. She, like, curb stomps that. With her roller skates. With her roller skates. Yeah. Um, uh, did you think of uh, American History X? Because I did. I... I did, even though I still have not ever seen American History <gasps> um, It is on my gap list. I know. Well, I know how tough of a watch it's supposed to be. So it's, yeah. 
it's been like I, I should watch it but I'm also afraid of watching it so um but yeah that scene's cross cut with him getting beat down and it's two opposite sides but both are connected to um you know the same idea that they're they're all falling from grace things are out of control they all need each other and that's what we get at the end um I don't know if there's any other scenes that I'm like, oh, I got to talk about that. Uh, I'm looking through my notes here. Um, I do I... like I like Don Cheadle's character Buck a lot, though. I thought <laughs> he had some of my favorite moments in the movie when he's trying to sell that stereo system, and you can tell it's funny because he's supposed to be an expert at these stereo systems, but it always sounds like he does not know what he's talking about. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, but uh, I found him very comedic, and uh, I really liked his character. I love when he has like the Rick James look on. Uh, like, you know, cause he has, like, the, the braid, like, the braided yeah. wig and stuff. That part cracked me up, but, um... And I don't... Oh, man. Even I'm his, trying to be a cowboy. Yeah, well, and then his later, his, uh, his radio store where he's, like, totally trying to buy into, like, the 80s hip-hop movement, like, with the super cool stereo store or whatever it is, like, it's, like, the worst name ever, <laughs> like... <sighs> but, um... Yeah, I really liked him in this. And I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not crazy about Don Cheadle. Um, mostly I've only seen him in the Marvel movies, and he's not been my favorite element of those. Uh, but I really liked him in this, so I, I need to give some of his leading roles. Like I've never seen Traitor or Hotel Rwanda because of the subject matter of Hotel Rwanda. That was one that I just didn't want to. It's a good film, though. Oh, or, I've, I've heard I amazing things about it. I just know how the story is so like. And that it was so recent i mean yeah yeah i i mean stuff and, happens today and i'm like seriously guys it came out in a time when i was avoiding anything like that serious or sad um and i'm not avoiding that now although it's still like those aren't always movies i'm in the mood for you know like oh let's yeah. be depressed and sad for like a couple hours right now um yeah. so it, it's one i'm very much aware i should watch uh much like 12 years a slave that i just can't bring myself to watch um because of the the subject matter being so tough um but yeah i think that's all i have to say um i i'm gonna go with my review if let me ask first is there anything else you wanted to talk you want to discuss i just think it's so funny that we go the whole film and they're talking about his one special thing the whole time oh, yeah. and then finally like the final scene like <laughs> yeah and he pulls it out for like no apparent reason other yeah, than yeah i it. think he's just i think he's just trying to hype himself up i mean yeah. i don't really know because i mean early in the film he takes off his pants but he's got like the speedo underwear on um mm-hmm. and you see the bulge but now he just like literally like unzips his pants pulls it out lets it hang for a minute so we see it He's looking at it in the mirror and then zips, puts it away and, and walks out to go do his thing. Um, wearing a very Miami Vice looking outfit, like just really making sure we get that. It's like 1983 or so because uh, he's got like the white suit with the sleeves rolled up to his elbows. Um, but I, I'm i going to go this this movie. I find um, I feel like I got to say must see for this. I, I think it's got so many great film elements. Uh, I really like a lot of the characters. I love, actually, really like Burt Reynolds in this. I don't think I even mentioned. Me too. It. I feel uh, like I haven't seen enough of his stuff, agreed. and I feel like. Well, most of his stuff is older. Like the prime Burt Reynolds is like seventies. I've never seen Smoking and the Bandit. I still haven't watched Deliverance. Um, you know, those are two of his biggest movies, and I've not seen either one of those. Um, and I did see this uh, at some point, but I definitely 
I don't remember this movie as well as I I do right now, or I didn't remember it. Um, and I think he's in Striptease, which I saw, but he's like it's like that movie is way over the top and um and silly. Like it's not really taking it self seriously at all. Um, so I don't think he was, but uh, this definitely made me want to give him more of a chance. Agreed. And I, mm, I'm always stuck between two. I should have my own special reading system. <laughs> um, I'm between not golden, not quite golden pony boy, and must see. Yeah, and I kind of I'm leaning in them that side of it too. Like, I wouldn't say this is high up on my must see list, but I definitely I thought it was great. And there's a lot of you just see a lot of amazing filmmaking in this movie. Um, and PTA's ability to tell a story visually um, is definitely strong, and there is it, there's definitely some room for some trim. Uh, again, you could probably take out a lot of the Thomas Jane stuff with, even though that scene is great, um, that scene is probably unnecessary because we can see that they're falling into drugs without going to sell drugs and how they've hit rock bottom. Like you can pull all of that out and see the rock bottom still there you know like it's still very apparent that they've hit rock bottom the scene with the music when they're yelling at the studio guy like give us our demo tapes that pretty much shows rock bottom they don't have the money to pay for their demo like that whole thing is enough to establish that they're not doing well you know mm-hmm. but, i think i'll go not quite golden pony boy so between the two of us that's we're in the middle of both i think that works makes perfect sense um, next week, we're going to be watching another Paul Thomas Anderson film as we continue our exploration. One that I think you have started but didn't finish. I could be wrong. That is Magnolia. Oh, yes. Okay, so you tried to watch it. You couldn't You couldn't it do it. It was long. It was well, that so just much. seems to be a trend, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. For now on, I'm going to do some research before we choose any directors. <laughs> be like, oh, all of their movies are two and a half oh, hours. I don't God. think it can be fully committed what i didn't realize how long this movie is isn't it like three hours it's three hours and eight minutes um yeah yeah so magnolia from 1999 which i believe now is his third film given the time frame um uh directed by paul thomas anderson we have some returning cast uh, oh pat healy's in this movie i'm always a fan of him um oh i hate how imdb lists the credits on these movies Patton oswalt shows up in it um it stars Tom Cruise, although he's apparently way down on the list here. There he is. Tom Cruise. Uh, I saw Julianne Moore's in there. Philip Baker Hall is in it for the third film, I believe. Uh, Thomas Jane's in it again. Um, still, William H. Macy returns. There's other people here, but I'm trying to just look for... Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is in several of PTA films. John C. Riley's in his film again. Um, so a lot of returning cast members as well. Tom Cruise obviously being the new big name that shows up in this one. Alfred Molina shows up again. There's so many people in this movie. Anderson does not do small cast uh, in his early films. Luis Guzman shows up again. Orlando Jones. Um, I'm just kind of naming people I recognize. Clark Gregg is in this movie. That's cool. Don't see him too often. Oh, Paul F. Tompkins is in here too. That's a comedian I'm a fan of. Marilyn Raj. A lot of people. A lot of people is what I'm saying in this movie. Um... Oh man, uh, Michael Bolton from Office Space is in this movie. Not the singer, the guy who plays Michael Bolton. Um, I haven't seen him in too many things. Three hours and eight minutes, Corey. What the crap? Uh, an epic mosaic of interrelated characters 
in search of love, forgiveness, and meaning in the San Fernando Valley. Um, it's got a 77 meta score, 8.0 IMDb user score, and one that I've never seen, and you didn't make it all the way through? Yeah. So this is probably going to take like three <laughs> segments. Too. I mean, geez, three hours is a, is a bit much. I might watch this over the weekend instead because this is uh, I still have a lot of like class left this week because the seniors are gone. But I still have another two weeks before I'm on summer break, and three hours is a lot of time. Plus, Deadpool two comes out this Thursday. Um, oh yeah. So, yeah, folks, um, we I think this one is only available to rent or buy digitally. It is not available streaming for free anywhere, to my knowledge. So, if you're gonna watch it with us, you'll have to, to rent it from one of those services. Uh, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on Magnolia or Boogie Nights or Paul Thomas Anderson in general. You can email us contact at burkreviews.com. That is contact at burkreviews.com. You can follow us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd. Corey? At Corey R. Star with two R's on the end if you like lots of pictures of cats. And we are still looking for, to add people to our Patreon. Um, I'm hoping uh, one of my long-term goals for BurkeReviews.com is to offer a scholarship or scholarships at some point um, to students at Lake Wills High School, which is where I teach, uh, who are... Um, looking to pursue arts or journalism as a career and the patreon um one of our goals on the patreon is if we get a thousand subscribers that we will uh start that scholarship with a single one uh, one five hundred dollar scholarship every year um to a student at lake Wills high school who is again going to pursue uh art or journalism or film as a career in college um and that's something i'd like to continue to grow obviously um the money that we get from Patreon helps pay for movie tickets, uh, the, the storage fees for the, the podcast and the site and all of those things that um, just add up. Not looking to turn a profit or make a living doing this, just to, to try to break even and hopefully give back. So if you'd like to do that, you can um, go to patreon.com slash Reviews or you can go to BurkeReviews.com and click on our link to Patreon. Um, otherwise, Corey, you got anything else you want to add? No, I hope everybody has a great week. And we'll be back next week with our review of Magnolia. And I might even try to watch The Master this week uh, since that one's not going to make it in our monthly reviews. But I I do want to watch that one. But until next time, folks, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.